Hey there, it's Angie. And I'm Kat, and we are Beyond, Beyond the, the Door. Door. This podcast is an extension of the Purple Door, a nonprofit organization serving 12 counties within South Texas. Our mission is to empower the community and those affected by domestic violence and sexual assault to transition to a safe and healthy environment. We believe community accountability through education is at the heart of prevention. Quick disclaimer, this podcast will be discussing sensitive subjects. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. There may be explicit language geared toward a mature audience. Okay, well, hello. Hello. Welcome. We're glad to have you here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Super glad. Um, Okay, so they know us. Kat and Angie. Hello. Hello. Tell us about yourself. I am Elizabeth. I am a native, I guess, here now in Corpus Christi. I've been here for seven years. Okay. I came here um, in March of 2016. Stayed at the shelter for two months. Mm. And I love the beach, and it hasn't changed since. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Started my life over and um, started advocating as a survivor, and here I am seven years later to talk all about that process and what that looks like. Oh, we are so, so grateful to have you here. Yeah, we're excited. We've been talking about this forever. Dude. Yeah, about getting this done. Huge treat. Fantastic. Um, Okay, so I guess, I mean, really, just this is about your story. This is about hearing about the realities of Mm -hmm. what it is to be, what it means to be a survivor. I mean... And of course, it's one story, right? We right, all ha- we right. all have our own stories. We've all we've all gone through, you know, certain different aspects yes, of stuff. Yes, but yes. we are lucky enough to be able to hear from someone who is doing really well, <laughs> from what I can tell. Yeah. So yeah, just tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, so like I said, it was it's been seven years, and um, I'm actually really grateful to be able to come back and revisit this in such a victorious state. Yeah, um, because it's definitely been a journey. Mm. So um, when I look back at the timing, I realized that it was just step by step going to the next step, intentionally doing the next right thing. Mm-hmm. And for some of us, we don't even know what that next right thing is. So um, Looking back, like I said, seven years later, seeing that it was just, it wasn't just this big step. It was just a process. And I had to start really carefully taking those steps. And mm-hmm. what I'm happy about being able to to share is it's like if someone gives you a comment or they say it was so hard, like that one statement is literally like a whole book in itself. Like, mm-hmm. what does that mean? What does that mean? What does it mean so, that it was hard? Yeah, so I, I'm excited about this because I'm like, this is where I can actually explore all those mm-hmm. hard spots. Yeah. yeah. And, it, you know, looking back and talking about it, talking about it now, um, it's so much more easier to do it because, like I said, I was pretty intentional about where I am now. This mm-hmm. wasn't like I just stumbled in this place. Mm-hmm. I became very intentional about that. And I think that's important to understand going from victim to survivor and then to thriver these are steps that you have to intentionally take because it's not always in us just to know what to do even with your intuition and um your inner ability to be able to say this is safe this is not safe some of us lose that along the way mm-hmm. so you have to be intentional on in that process man yes i know yes. i'm learning <laughs> yes <laughs> yes we're getting there um okay so I guess if you could start with maybe like the first time that you stayed at our shelter because you were there. Okay. Um, and then maybe like the events that led up yes. to, to getting there. Okay. I remember it. I, we've talked about it before, but I, it was a great story. Yeah. Yes. So in 2000 of, I'm sorry, in March of 2016, I journeyed here from Georgia. Um, I did not plan on coming to Corpus. Like, this was very spontaneous. Mm. It was, of course, like I said, it was a series of events that led up to this. Um, But there was, like, this horrible episode that caused me to leave my ex-husband. And Mm. at the time when I left, I I think I remember just feeling like I have to do it right this time because Mm. it was so bad from what I came from. I don't want to lose my life. I don't want my children to be motherless. And so... 
but losing the trust that I had for myself at that time mm. was like, how am I going to do this? So I was reacquainted with my heavenly father. Mm-hmm. And um, during that time, I began to take very intentional steps of um, just saturate myself in a lot of prayer, mm-hmm. quietness, and making moves with a lot of thought. So I was in Georgia, came from Georgia, was in a shelter there for two months. And then I started to get calls and texts from him that he knew exactly where I was. And Mm. he knew the shape and he was telling me like the shape of the shelter. And it was like in a U shape. And he was like, I know where you are and it's no reason. And you hiding. And, you know, at that point I was just like, I, you know, what? (laughs) Good Lord, I'm in a shelter. I'm trying to, you know, do this right this time. And it was just like. So I found a home, and about three days prior to me moving in this home where I was going to rent, of course, and just kind of start over, I got a call from the landlord, and he was like, "Uh, I found another tenant. I think I'm going to go with them. And at this time, the shelter had gotten all the supplies for me to move in, and I was super disappointed. So I got called in by administration. And, of course, like in shelter, usually they want to see that you have a plan. They want to make sure that you're motivated. Are you actually moving in? toward you know getting yourself competent enough to get out there and whole enough to be able to function and Mm -hmm. you know and um they called me and they said listen we're not gonna we're not gonna kick you out we're not gonna like write you off or anything but we do want you to know that if you wanted to move out of the state hint hint we would support that financially and so i think i began to um i think at some point i in my therapy and counseling there i Mm -hmm. told them about how i always wanted to live near the beach so they were like you know you always said you wanted to live in florida and so i think florida was actually the place in mind because of beaches yeah okay um fast forward and so they they made this they made this offer and they said we can go ahead and give you you know financial support to get there so i was like oh this is great like it was just relieving to know that I had other opportunities and that there was an, another way. Like I, I began to really get excited about that because I was like, man, a new start, like into a place, like to a place where I've always wanted to be like, this was now becoming an adventure in a way. Yeah. Well, um, I had a friend who was, had a position out here as a physician and he was traveling and so he's working in one of the urgent cares and invited me and the girls to come and just like hang out at the place and spend time at the beach. But of course, when you're in shelter and you're in that place, it's like a more secure environment, mm-hmm. a more safe environment. And um, I've even been told by different shelters, like we're a homeless shelter. You need to be in a domestic shelter. It's a specialized security uh. and safety. So you don't want to leave that process. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I would have left and just went to visit with friends then I wouldn't have had that extra amount of security, extra uh-huh. some um, amount of like safety in place. So um, I said, okay, no, I can't take you up on the offer. But I was like, where are you in Texas? They have beaches like, you know, <laughs> what? <laughs> I must've missed the geography class with South <laughs> Texas being surrounded by the Gulf. Mm-hmm. And um, I looked into it and I was looking at pictures and I was like, this is beautiful. Like what? <laughs> so, I called back to the shelter and I was like, hey, I just wanted to call you guys. I told them my situation mm-hmm. and I spoke with Tanya, Tanya, Tanya Sturging, I think who now is running the shelter. Back yeah. then. She was a case manager. And at that time, I was her first client. I think. Yeah, <clears throat> I remember you talking yeah. about mm-hmm. that. That's cool. And so um, I called and I told her my situation. She said, we'd be glad to have you. And I was like, what? Like, this is amazing. So I'm like second open door. Well, um, it was just a lot for me to digest. Mm -hmm. So I think I want to say maybe like a week went by a week and a half. And, um, I was getting the taxes. I was getting just, just, just different signs. And I had a conversation with my dad. I, I I know I will never forget this conversation. And he said, you know what it's like in Georgia, you know what the people are like there, you know what, the relationship is like there. You know what the events and the environment is like. You know that. You're very clear about that. Mm-hmm. But if you go to Texas with the beaches and this new life, you have absolutely no idea what to expect. And looking at it from that perspective, like I said, it was just really adventurous. And I was like, you know what? I think I owe this to me and my children mm. to take an opportunity that 
just seems bright on the other side. Mm. And so I called back and I was still kind of like throwing the thought about it around. I called back and I said, hey, Tanya, this is what's going on. I haven't really made a decision. And I said, do you guys still have space? You know, because I was trying to convince myself that there was still an open door. And she said, we have space, but if we don't, we will make space for you. I was like, are you kidding me? How can I not take this? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that was how I ended up here. Oh, my gosh. Um, I made up my mind that I was going to come. I think within about a week's time, I was out of there. I put on my home items in storage from the home that I was living in. Whatever I could fit in storage, I fit in there. I left my van behind. Um, I was trying to leave behind as much as I possibly could to have a new start. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And at the time, my youngest was uh, three months. I'm sorry, four months old. Mm. My middle child was three years old. And my oldest was 15 in 10th grade. And we got two car seats, three suitcases, packed them in the back of the rental that was provided for by the shelter, and we drove to Corpus. Wow, that's so awesome. Yes. Incredible. Yeah, It does sound like an adventure. Yeah. I, that part, yes. okay? Not yes. that I'm saying, yes. like, hey, yes. that'd be cool to yes. need to go yes. somewhere. Yeah. Yes, yes, starting over, trying something new, not knowing what to expect, and mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. you're inspired by this it was always my heart's desire to move to a beach. So when I talk about the prayer part of it and my personal relationship with God, it was like during my path of moving into that season with, with, you know, into the direction of what was right for me and my children, Mm -hmm. there were so many great things that were happening. The possibilities were limitless. Mm. And now I'm moving into this direction. That's safe. That's Mm. right. Yeah. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. I was, it was like I was rewarded with the beach and I was like, wait, I didn't even ask for this. I kind of just stumbled into this by going the right way. Mm. And that was just really big for me because like I said, it was the desire of my heart to be near a beach. Like I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine when I was like maybe 10 and we would talk, we would, I'm from Philadelphia, and we would sit on the stoop, and I was like, yeah, when I grow up, you can come meet me at my house near the beach. And so this was something that I always aspired to do. Mm. And then from Philadelphia, being from Philadelphia, my mother would take us to the beach mm. um, at least twice in the summertime, to Wildwood in Jersey, right? Okay. And so for the past 15 years, I probably have been to the beach two times. So I was just yearning to be near the mm-hmm. water. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Well, yeah, it's like Lay's potato chips. When you visit, you can't just go exactly. just once. <laughs> exactly. We're not sponsoring Lay's, by the way. <laughs> hey, could you tell us about how you have witnessed the cycle affecting your kids? Like, okay. Um, so, when we talk about like uh, breaking the cycle and mm-hmm. how did that affect them? Okay, so um, first I'll talk about generally how it affects. Mm-hmm. And then I'll move back to personally how yeah. it affected them. But yeah. um, usually um, I did a lot of research going through this process because, of course, when you're in a cycle like this, it's not just like you get fixed the first time. No. There's a cycle of like going and then leaving and then going and then leaving. Mm. And so I think I want to say like after my third time, mm. um, because there was there was a there's a story behind this story and i want to say like after my third time i was like man i need to educate myself on you know this whole process and what's going on and when you do research and especially like because a big part of this is the hope that the one that's you know the abused or the victim Mm -hmm. the hope that their spouse or their loved one is going to change Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so a lot of that research time at some point of that season was how can I help him? Mm, Sure. Sure. You know, and so during that research, what I realized was that the perpetrator usually comes from an abusive Mm -hmm. background. And so this is something that was developed within their personality over time of being exposed to it. And it can go both ways. You can end up being a victim. You can end up being the perpetrator. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the victim actually seeing things in their childhood, which I can relate to in some ways. Um, Now you're seeing that you have this victim mentality and that you don't have choices. You don't realize, you don't realize that you have choices. Yeah. And so you allow yourself to 
be navigated in your mind, your thinking by mm-hmm. others' choices. Yeah. Okay. Um, but going back to that question, how does it affect the kiddos? It affects them because as you're developing as a child and you're being shown how to yep. um, operate as an adult, like these are the growing moments. These are the developing moments of child, you know, individuals. Mm-hmm. And so you have this family dynamic that's teaching these individuals how to become. And so you either get, and this is a sad part, you either get a victim out of that, mm-hmm. a perpetrator, or someone that has to grow out of it and become super resilient. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not to mention they still have to suffer what they've been through. Yep. So for me, what I saw, because I had three different children, different ages, um, this is like a really, I guess, graphic sure. incident, but... Um, the day that I left, like the day prior to me leaving the last, I call it the craziest episode ever. Mm. Um, I remember being put in a closet and that closet was extremely dark. Now, my baby at the time, at that time, was literally one week old and he locked me in the closet with her. And so the light switch wasn't working. So I, I feel like once I realized the light switch wasn't working and I was like, okay, how long is this going to take? Like, how long am I going to be in this closet? Mm-hmm. I began to get really nervous and, of course, afraid. I'm already, like, in defense survival mode. Like, mm-hmm. um, And I read up on, like, how does this affect infants? And mothers give off a certain perspiration that their babies can sense and it causes them to be now afraid as well. Mm-hmm. And so this doesn't just affect the child that can see with their eyes. It affects the child that is now just learning how to sense life through this sensitive sense of mommy's just close to me. Mm-hmm. And so now this baby that's close to me is sensing this different scent that's given off these different, um, I don't know if it's pheromones. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what I read, but I do remember that it affects them and they can smell it. And then for my three-year-old, I noticed some major potty training issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I I noticed questions that she would ask me. I noticed um, different ways that she would approach people socially, and that especially within those earlier development stages, mm-hmm. back closer to that time. And then my fifteen-year-old, of course. I mean, she was already a teenager, so this was a four-year marriage, and it was affecting her in so many different ways. I think. And over time, that began to unfold in ways that I didn't even know. But she began to have to internalize certain things. Um, She started to feel like teenagers are trying to get a sense of, okay, what part and role am I playing Mm -hmm. in life? Who am I? You know, and not having that base and security because you're not really sure what's going to happen. You know, mom's not stable. Yep. She's unsafe. I'm, I'm constantly, so I'm not even focused on me. And what needs to be happening in my life and all of the things and how I'm supposed to be developing. I'm more focused on is mom going to be safe or what does our life look like? Because, of course, your stability is hanging on the sanity of your parents, you know. And so it affects the children in a mighty, mighty way. Mm -hmm. What which is why whenever I get a chance to talk to parents Mm -hmm. that are dealing with this. I am strong about holding the parent accountable for understanding the part that they're playing in these individuals' lives that is depending on them to actually have a chance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. It's true, though. And I think, I think, I know I speak from experience when I say that. a lot and, and we see it in our parenting style we talk about that a lot like oh, how sure. we parent we're like okay let's be a little bit more gentle or like when we realize like okay we, we yelled and we shouldn't have yelled mm-hmm. and we go back and like apologizing to our child about it mm-hmm. and, we, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like breaking that like finding yeah finding something not only do you have to so definitely the first step is recognizing like hey okay the yelling was not okay why am i yelling mm-hmm. yeah. what can i replace the yelling with Instead, you know, because mm-hmm. if you're going to take away a behavior, you're leaving an empty space for, you know, whatever you were doing. Mm-hmm. And 
so you're leaving this empty space so you have to find something that's more positive so i've also been doing a lot of research um boundaries with kids mm-hmm. um but i you know attached there's a book called attached i'm i'm i do a bunch of my own research which i think is a part of that intentionality you were talking about um it's really really important that your intention intentional about that process um not only for yourself but especially Mm -hmm, for that cycle right that generational dysfunction um and so i'm reading about those things so you have to figure out like okay i acknowledged it i did apologize to my kids it might happen again and so i've got to give myself grace and also continue to be vulnerable with them Mm -hmm. um but how what where am i What's the goal? Where am I aiming? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you have to be realistic. Sure. Like for those, especially like, okay, let's talk about, because you have, let's just give a couple that hasn't experienced this. They have oh, a sure. pretty fair, well-rounded relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, they have learned how to communicate without using yelling. And mm-hmm. they're not, you know, stressed out with the certain stressors that, you know, coming out of this environment yeah. is faced with. Yeah. I don't think you're going to set the standard at the same pace. Oh, sure. I wouldn't set the standard at the same space. And the only reason why I say that is because if you set the standard so high to where every time you don't meet it, you're feeling horrible Ooh. about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> That's the theme for today. That's funny. I was telling my best friend about that. I was talking to her about you're that You're just this like, you're shooting for perfection and not reality and the grace. And so I had mm. a really good friend um, many a times, like, always bring me back to that place of, like, okay, you're X, Y, and Z, and this is not easy. Like, give yourself grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that doesn't say this grace is giving me the excuse or the permission. Correct. Mm-hmm. But, okay. To not beat yourself up don't over beat yourself being up. a like, human. Realize, yeah. You know, first, what? Are, okay, let's set some rules here. Yeah. And teaching your children, because I think what has been really good for me is helping my children to see, okay, mommy does make these mistakes. Right. Mm-hmm. I get frustrated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can give you countless stories of the, the stressors and the timing. And <laughs> I have to have all of these things done. <laughs> Not to mention when I first came here, yeah. I couldn't mm. put my daughter, the baby down because yeah. there was a time when I didn't have a playpen or I didn't yeah. have a space in an area that was say, like moving from shelter, then back to this home mm-hmm. where I had to get everything new. Like there was mm. times when, you know, so I was trying to find things and making spaces for them, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, just little stressors like that. And then not to mention the moments that you have to cry and the kids are Uh still awake. Uh You know, these real things. But if you can learn how to communicate with your children through that process. Yes, ma'am. And explain to them, this is just a hard time for us. But with each other Mm. and with God with us, we can get through this and we'll be Mm -hmm. okay. And so I've gone, like I said, I've lived in two shelters Mm. since that this seven years, I've moved to three different homes, mm-hmm. and thank God that every time it was a progressive move to a better space, a better sure. place. Sure. But I always explain to my kids, as long as we have each other, mm-hmm. I realize like moving from that sh- that shelter in Georgia, then moving here, and then mm-hmm. you know not having all of the you know things that I wanted. I wanted a certain car, and I wanted a certain house, and I wanted to look a certain way. Not having all of that was something that I had to just tell myself this is a process. Mm. You'll get there. Mm-hmm. But what's most important is that they feel this safety and they feel this love. And through that process, again, let's going back to what we were talking about, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. that environment, that home that you want to create, mm-hmm. you just kind of talk them through that and understand. And yourself. Mommy's <laughs> going through something right now. Yep. And we're going through it together. And mm-hmm. it doesn't make it right for mommy to... Yeah, so let mommy have her five minutes mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. you go and sit here so I can, you know, you just find ways to cope in that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You have to. Yeah. Have We've been to. doing a lot of yeah. that with the kids. <laughs> My kids lately, yeah. 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 Um, okay, so so I get so that leads up perfectly to the second. Could you tell us about the second time that you went to shelter? Like, what did that look like? How did that happened what what was that okay um process? so in march of 2016 i came mm-hmm. to corpus yeah 
And by August, I started working, and I got a phone call in August while I was at work, and I found out that my ex was at my home, Oof. at my front door. Mm. So um, I left. I got the police to meet me at the house, mm-hmm. and I was just, I think I was just like in that, I don't even remember, I just remember I was amped okay. at that time, like what is going on? I was just like, I felt completely exposed and violated um, because you move all this way, and now what? Like yeah. you're here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I met there with the cops, and the cop says to him, you have seven warrants from Georgia, but they're not extraditable. You have not committed a crime here in Texas. So Ooh, could you, you explain do, a little bit about what yeah. extradite extradite means? So it means that you have warrants placed on you in Georgia, mm-hmm. meaning if you get stopped by the police, they have rights to take you into custody in Georgia, in Georgia. Mm-hmm. But once you cross over those lines, yep. if they don't send, I'm sorry, attach that extradition to that warrant, you can leave, and because you're not in Georgia, you're free to go outside of that territory. So that's what happened. We were here in Texas, and I'm in front of him, and he's the cop is saying it's like in front of him. And I was like, well, I don't want him in front of my property. Can we like get right. him to move from here? Right. And um, there was like the legal system completely, I felt very failed, you know, like I felt like very vulnerable exposed and i felt like i was really failed at that point Mm. right Mm -hmm. um and then personally i was like i was not ready to like see him Mm. like emotionally i was like i wasn't ready to see him and like i told you so many times before i fell weak Mm -hmm. i wasn't i was still in the process of like doing work on myself Mm. Mm. like building up those healthy areas that need to be strong when you're dealing with someone yeah. that you care for. Yeah. So I um, I remember just, like, not really knowing what to do now because now he knows where I live. Mm. The courts, I mean, the law has pretty much told him, you know, going ahead and yeah, right. live your life, but don't commit any crimes. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. So I felt forced at that moment to just have to deal with him civilly because now you know where I live. You have my phone number. You're not just going to, you know, in my mind, this is what I'm thinking. Sure. And so I just, at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm going back into shelter. I need to get into a safe place, rethink this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. We went back into shelter. Um, I went into counseling again, and mm. I want to say for a period of time, again, he left. Mm. Mm. So going back into shelter this time with this actually brought me to a place to learn that the building of yourself in this process is so important. Mm-hmm. Because if you go back prematurely yeah, and you haven't developed what you need, mm-hmm. the support, that I'm sorry, that support actually, actually, you know, getting support and learning sure. different mindsets because you can feel horrible about the fact that you went back. But once you start doing research and understanding, that's actually perfectly normal for a person that's in yeah. a cycle of domestic violence. Like mm-hmm. that's what happens. And so you don't feel, I'm, I would say, I didn't feel so bad about it because I was like, oh, like this is not just me. I'm just not this crazy. Yeah. Sure. This is just what, you know, you're in the cycle. This is what it looks like. And it happens you know, to the best of us. And so mm-hmm. coming back, realizing I was just like, this was not enough time. Like I need time to learn about boundaries and I need to learn about, you know, the love, like loving myself. And it just brought up like in a lot of raw emotions sure. that I wasn't, I didn't have time to deal with, mm. with the move and getting on my feet and then trying to find a job and trying to provide for the children. It was and from, you said it was from March to August, March to August. That's not time. Yeah. <laughs> That's not time. And, and I mean, but applaud you for recognizing that situation and saying, ah, wait a minute. <laughs> Pause yeah, yeah. and taking, knowing your resources, yes, knowing what you yes, could, yes, yes, and utilizing them. Yes. Yeah. Not was, being afraid to be like, you know what? I think now is the time to ask for help again. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. It's so, there's no, it, whoo, for so many of 
us, it is difficult to ask for help. Yes. Yeah. It is difficult to get in those situations because you do feel not, you know, not only do you feel like, you know, the system has failed you and all of this stuff, but like, you're like, am I a part of that? What, what mm -hmm. part did I play in the failure of whatever's happening? Yes. And so it's like yeah. getting into that icky talk of self-talk of just like failure and just feeling awful stuff. about yeah. yourself. Just I feeling feel like, awful. Yeah. yeah. Like, am I going back by going into shelter? Yeah. And then I think I was concerned, like, well, what are people going to think if they see me communicate with him? Sure. Because I had advocated sure. and spoke for the shelter as a survivor. Yeah. And now I'm like, he's mm -hmm. around. And I was concerned, not about so much what will people think. Mm -hmm. It was just, That's I've a thought, conquered though. some ground. Yeah. yeah. That was a part of it. But yeah. I think it was more of like, I've conquered, I've conquered ground. Yeah. I'm doing great. Yeah. And what does this mean for this whole process? Sure. Because yeah. I was feeling a lot of different emotions that I think were very scary for me. Yeah. yeah. Those are you know, scary you things don't to stop feel. loving the person no. who has caused harm. No. But when you don't know about boundaries sure. with yeah. loving someone, yep. that can become extremely dangerous. Absolutely. Especially if you have children together. Yes. That's, yes. That's I was married. Like yeah. I was married for four, four years and continual hope. Yeah, like so, those feelings don't go away it's just the next day. Like Yes. And so like like I talked about earlier when we talked about um just the process looking back being able to reflect back is okay. so much more clear. But during that time these are things that I had to discover as I was going. Mm hmm And one of the it's so important to be in counseling and to have healthy support systems, like healthy friendships. Yeah. My counselor said to me she said, what do you need me to help you with right now? Mm. And that's when I, like, at that moment, I was petrified because I realized that mentally I was starting to see things out of his eyes again. Mm. Um. And when I saw that that was happening, and it wasn't something that just happened overnight. Like, over time, having these conversations, these manipulative conversations, these yeah. gaslighting conversations, now I'm realizing, wait a minute. I'm seeing things out of your eyes because this isn't the reality. And so if your counselor can see that and now your whole, the whole tone of this conversation, this therapy shifting. session is shifting and it's yeah. like, well, what do you want me to do to help? Yeah. I'm saying, Woo. what am I doing that's making you? And I didn't see, I didn't see that. And then yeah. when I realized that, oh man, my prayer, my prayers definitely took a different direction. Mm. Mm hmm. Mm. But it's hard to see it when you're in it. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's so hard. And that's why you have to understand and trust the process of support. Amen. You yes. have to trust the process a of support. A good support system will mm -hmm. get, man, it makes yes. a difference. Yes. Yeah. It's huge. Yes. It's group. Huge. Group. Yes. Um, back in Georgia, I would go to group. Yes. And group was one of the one truest things mm -hmm. because it brought me back to reality. Yes. In my mind. Because what you're doing is you're allowing someone to gaslight you. Oh, yeah. 24-7. You're, you're feeling sure. You're feeling horrible about the fact that, you know, you're not meeting all of these demands mm -hmm. that are virtually impossible anyway. Mm -hmm. Because I can't fix you. I can't make you happy. I can't help you find purpose. I can't, for, I can't fix your life. Like, yeah. you know, and then you're constantly trying to meet this goal. You know, that's projected on you from someone else. Mm -hmm. And so when you get from away from them, you realize like they're accountable for themselves. You know, these are things, like I said, I learned along the way. Mm -hmm. And so but group therapy and support, um, support through counseling is so helpful oh, yes. because it helps you to take yourself and become objective mm -hmm. and then be at that space and say, OK, now I can. You're finding roots. You're finding yeah. Root. yeah. You're I can dig yeah. deeper. Like, I can see that. Like, I actually, it wasn't my thought, or that's not how I feel, or, you know. Yeah. And having those people, like, call you out when you're going yes. back. They're like, hey, you're, you know. Yes. I'm kind of going backwards yes. instead of forward. Yeah. Yes. You want to build up a relationship of accountability. Mm -hmm. You want to be accountable to someone, someone that you can trust. Yeah. Someone that you know is not going to harm you. Yeah. And so I developed this relationship. Because even in call outs, it should be a call in. Yeah. Mm, mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I like that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That's what that's what Jesus does. Yes. You know. Yes. He was yes, always. Yes, he does. He was like, 
Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. take yes. a look, make sure, but yes. also yes. know yes. that you're loved. Yes. Like, yes. Know that this is human. Yes. This is, you're, there's no shame. There's no, yes. it's just a part of being human. Let's recognize where we're at. Take a step back and be like, okay. Yes. <laughs> now where? Yes. <laughs> you because know? if you feel the fear of being yeah. judged and you feel the fear of being oh, pushed no. away, you can't do anything away out of fear. Right? No, it's right. not going to get you into a positive place. Yes. That's icky. Ugh. I'm, I'm. Um, well, we kind of talked about having the, the importance of uh, the solid support system. Um, do you want to go into a little bit more detail that, like family-wise? Absolutely. Like so when I first left, I didn't tell my family what was going on. Mm. I was gaining back relationships with my family that I had cut off mm. um, for different re- you know, personal reasons. Um, and then not to mention, in that kind of relationship, you you're usually isolated. It's yeah. yes, inspired to be more isolated. And um I think there was different so there was different support systems I had. Um but once so I'll talk about those different support mm-hmm. systems. So you have a support system of shelter, mm-hmm. you have the support system of like uh, your group and usually in your community you can just reach out. Yeah. And find out where they are around you. And mm-hmm. I would do that wherever I moved, I would always reach out. Um, maybe periods of when he was in jail or, you know, the last offense or whatever it was. I was like, let me just reach out because, like I said, that was my saving grace. That was my moments of sanity. Um, and so you have that support, right, where it kind of teaches you your way of thinking and trying to help you give perspective. Um, then you have your family, of course. And I think that it's really important, especially if you have a healthy, like, family whole relationship with them and I do I have a very warm loving supportive family um that's important too because your family will usually remind you of who you really are Mm. yeah and so my family when I went back home in 2017 for the first time in forever Mm. um they kept reminding me like you remember you used to want to be a nurse Mm. and my mom mentioned it to me. My aunt mentioned it to me. Um, it was just like, and so I was like, yeah, I do remember that. And um, that part is important because you lose yourself through the process. Mm-hmm. Sure. You lose, yeah. like, not really, like, who was I before all of this Yeah. damage? Like, who was I, really, mm-hmm. before you know, I was de- I was developing into who I was, but there were things about me that were just genuinely coming from me. Like, I wanted to be a nurse. And my transcript goes all the way back to 2001. So they reminded me of who I was mm. yeah. in a lot of ways. And then it's your friendships. Um, mm. I have, I have, I had a really good friend who knew about what healthy looked like. Mm-hmm. And she was a really big support system for me. There were so many times where I thought that I was going to fail and she would just tell me, no, like you need to see the progress you made. Mm -hmm. You need to look at that because that's fruit. It's important to see what are your actions doing? Despite what you feel, what are you actually doing? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. so that was the process. So, um, yeah, so I met, um, I always say that Corpus had so many gifts wrapped up in them for me. And one of my, Mm. Prior to getting here, I had a good friend from um, Texas. And so when I was in the shelter in Georgia, um, I didn't have a car. And the only way that you can, you know, um, transport was either to take the bus. There were no buses out there. So you have to have the van take you to a bus, be picked up at a certain time. And so on the weekends, it's tough. Being as though I didn't have any, I had a friend there, but she had left. And so the weekends, I was just there, like on the weekends, just me and the kids. And it was very quiet there. And um, I had a friend, shout out to Sonya, she she would come pick me and the girls up, and we would go hang out with her for the day. And it was just, it was great to have, like, that support system. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother was, like, sending me so much stuff for the baby, um, just That's being able sweet. to talk to her every day. Um, and like I said, building these healthy relationships and... Um, my father was very present. My sisters. I have two siblings. I'm um, sorry, two brothers and two sisters. I'm the middle. So just speaking with all of them and just getting reacquainted, my aunt and my uncles. 
um, I got a lot of shout outs. So I got like shout outs to Island Joe, like my mom, my dad, Aww. my brothers and sisters. Um, it's it's and then I had another and I call her my dear special friend, Miriam. Um, I met her here and that relationship was just packed with so many different um, seasons mm. within it. And there was a lot of things. I remember her actually as a friend. I remember her because I we talked about boundaries, but I remember her specifically because she had actually saw me transition from being free and then him showing up. Yep. And then she saw me come she back. She saw up. me in that raw state of like confusion mm. of having to deal with that. That's a very scary place. Mm. And she saw me. In that space, and then she saw me go from that space to then rebuilding and making decisions to move forward. And I remember her saying to me, you don't know how to set boundaries. Mm. And I was like, you know, one of those call out moments. (laughs) (laughs) It never feels good. Yeah. And I was like, like, "Mm." like that didn't feel good because. Mm -hmm. I wanted to I wanted to be healthy. Like I wanted to be stronger. I wanted to be this person that was able to do that and I wasn't yet. Mm-hmm. So when you call out something the beauty in it is now you can identify it. Mm-hmm. You can start mm-hmm. to explore that. Yeah. Um I also had like a great um counselor. Her name was Bailey and I met her and she was actually with the, the police department and with the shelter and she was like whenever you have these places that are un they don't feel good. Lean into those places. Woo. Like lean into it. Don't Ugh. run from it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so hard. That's awesome it's advice. Hard, <laughs> but if you have support, yes, and you have, like you said, like Christ does with us, He tells you you are safe. You are accepted. You are welcome. Mm-hmm. My love is covering you. My love mm-hmm. covers a multitude of sins. Like if you have that as your anchor, Woo. it's okay because you know you're surrounded by this environment that is calling you out but calling you in yes and when he brings you close to him and when you're being you know nurtured by your friends and mm-hmm. you're you you know what does love do it grows yes. something yeah. so it's important to have those relationships that grow something yeah, yeah. that's good you know oh, I, love I love that, that. yeah support systems yeah easy. <laughs> get them <laughs> whatever you have to do <laughs> Get out there. I, I, I just want to say, like, I just, just thinking about this is just great. I have, um, my two sisters are so amazing. Mm. Um, my sister, she's actually a life coach. My oh, oldest sister's about to graduate law school. And yeah. um, so Crystal, so soon to be lawyer, and Jaleesa, um, a life coach, That's just awesome. having, like, conversations with them, too. And that support of, like, that sisterhood, mm. knowing that that was a safe space for me, too. Mm-hmm. Because family has a way of just... Like, we accept you because you're just family, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to be. And that was important for me, too. Like, feeling accepted and being able to be raw and vulnerable. Marion and doing, you know, going through this was kind of like, I wanted everybody to see that I was, I had, I could I could actually be resilient or, mm-hmm. you know, I could make this work. But when I realized that I couldn't make it work, mm-hmm. like, you kind of feel like you failed something. Like, mm-hmm. I have failed in this place and I don't feel good about it and whenever you feel like that then you're wearing the shame but Mm -hmm. with family and with that protection space there's no shame Mm. so I appreciated that I appreciated that from my family that's That's good yeah that's really good um okay so what did it feel like for and look like for you and your family, not just because it sounds like your your family from when you were a child is mm-hmm, really important mm-hmm. to you, but your family that you created, oh, you yes. and your daughters. Um, what did that look like for you guys to break that cycle? Like how did and feel like like what do you feel from that? That's got to be oh, man. really empowering. Like I said, scary. And I'll, and I'll and I'll go back to that, and I'll think I'll continue to revisit this. This was like a. Every time something came up, mm. I realized with multiple experiences that I had to keep doing the right yep. thing. Yep. Because you're talking about someone who has been in and out of shelter probably about three to four times, mm. has gone back and failed yep. three to four times. Sure. And then, you know, now when you move on, 
as you begin to build Mm -hmm. in this process, right? It's not as easy to give it up once you've gained time and you've gained stability in your family. You've gained not only time, but you've gained trust from your children. Oh, yes. Oh, and to let that go is not... You're not as willing mm-hmm. to let it go. Right. When you, you put take, all this work in. When you put all that work in. Mm-hmm. So you, I don't want to say you want it to be hard, mm-hmm. but you want to appreciate, mm-hmm. you want to appreciate mm-hmm. how, how difficult it may be for the purposes of knowing I will not be as easily to throw this away. Not only just for that situation I came out of, mm-hmm. but of even letting people in, mm-hmm. in my new space. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. now I understand the value yes. of boundaries. I understand safety. You know, safety. I understand this work that I'm doing on myself. This was not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a process. You continue to evolve in that as well. Sure. How it looks now, mm-hmm. seven years later, it does feel very empowering. It mm. feels, I'm very grateful. I'm very, very grateful because when I actually look back and think about the day that I actually left, yeah, like that 24-hour period of me leaving, mm. it's very humbling as well. Mm. And the reason why I say humbling is because when I actually, like I said, think about that, it was nothing but the grace of God that I walked away. Mm. And the reason why was because I was scared. Mm-hmm. I wasn't bold. Oh, I was, you know, people would say, oh, I was just, I got up. No, I was scared. He gave me boldness. Mm. I was foolish. And the reason why I say foolish is because when you keep seeing something over and over, you know, and then you expect for it to show up something different. Now, at some point, you're becoming foolish. Sure. Okay. I was foolish. He was wise. God was wise. And he gave me the grace, like, to make these wiser decisions. And um, I was really weak. Like, I was broken. I was at my my weakest and broken, the most broken place I can ever remember in my life at this time. And looking back and being able to tell that story, this is such a season of grace, like, the grace that was allotted to me mm-hmm. to be able to do that mm-hmm. is what gives me the strength to go on and give my testimony. Mm. Yeah. I love that. It was grace that brought <laughs> me here and it was grace that saw me through. Uh, amen. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Uh, so, oh, uh, you did, you, you mentioned that at some point you began releasing and you kind of, this actually ties in really well to what you had said earlier too, about how your counselor had started saying, okay, well, (laughs) what, how the mood shifted because you had started seeing things through his eyes again. Then you mentioned that when you were, when you were really making those like, no, I'm, I'm, I am doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, releasing responsibility yes. for his actions. Yes. Woo! That's so big! Allowing him to take accountability for his own actions while you took accountability of your own. Tell, could you tell us a little about that's good. That's good stuff. Yes. All right, so we talked about the boundaries and me learning about that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I was, so I got involved with Toastmasters. Yeah. And I did like a speech. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I talked about in my speech was, you know, I can't control what others do to me. Mm. But I can control what I allow to be done to myself. And what I mean by that is, like, I can allow, I can, I can change how I accept, yes, or tolerate these different areas, especially in my secret space, like in my personal space. And um, it's hard for us sometimes, just as people, to accept different ways about people that we love like Mm -hmm. there could be something about somebody that i love that i don't like the way you know i don't like i don't like the way this person operates with me or i don't like these um certain characteristics about them and so instead of just accepting Mm -hmm. like this is who this person is sure this is the way they operate sure letting they be letting them be fully accountable for that yep and you accepting that we want to change we want to you know begin to impress our ways of thinking and our will or maybe perhaps, you know, how we want things to turn out. So we begin to, like, sure. you know, navigate in that area. And that's unsafe because now you're not allowing this person to really show you who they are. Mm-hmm. And so what I begin to do is I really begin to believe him for who he was and what I begin to believe him by his actions. 
when I saw him starting to act out or when I saw him trying to press past my boundaries, mm-hmm. I would identify it for what it was. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is okay, this is him passing passing the boundaries. This is him breaking the promises. This is him, you know, I've set down boundaries here. He's breaking them. What what happens now? And I didn't do like I said, this work was not something I did on my own. Sure. And one of the big things with that part too was Learning what felt safe to myself. Mm. So whenever you hold someone accountable or you hold yourself accountable, like being in touch with your own feelings. I remember vividly being so used to being impulsive or letting my goal and my aim be to make this person not get upset. So I didn't have to deal with the repercussions because I didn't know at that time yet that I had choices Mm. and I had a free will. Um, I remember like asking myself, like, where are you, Elizabeth, right now? Where do you feel? Are you okay with this? Do you truly feel safe? Like, are you okay? Are you at peace? Or are you like compensating right now? Mm. And I remember like telling myself or asking myself these questions, but then trying to find like a gauge. And so the reason why this is kind of getting off topic, but it meshes in. The reason why it's so important to get away from an abuser, Mm -hmm. getting out of that toxic environment, is because you don't have anything to gauge what's safe off of. Right. But when you get to shelter, when you get away from all the chaos and the toxicity, now you say, oh, this is what it feels like to be safe. This is what it feels like not to be in all these different spaces where I have to show up for not only my issues, but yours too. You know, this is a safe space, man. Mm. This feels, and so I spent like, you know, six months in that place. And I just started to get acquainted with, man, this feels like this is, this is peaceful. Yeah. And so when now someone else comes in that space and they begin to disrupt it or their connection is mm. disrupting this. Yeah. You're definitely like, you know, now I have something to gauge this off of my sure, peace is yeah. being, you know, tampered with my peace is being um, compromised right now. And so holding him accountable for that part or holding myself accountable saying, okay, did you allow him? Or is this something he just did? Is this something that you're like, are you allowing this in your space? And what is it in the why? Like, mm-hmm. why are you allowing this? Oof. And like I said, so much unpacking throughout yeah, that yeah. process, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Speaking to my soul, bro. <laughs> like, I'm literally the whole, I'm, I'm like, Mm-hmm. You're like, mm-hmm. yep, yep. Yeah. Just pulling yeah. the words from my mouth. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. It's a humongous process. Yes. It's a long yeah. process. Yes, and I'm still in process. Oh, oh yeah. Amen. I'm still in yeah. process. Yeah, the healing process is ongoing. It never ends, right? honestly. It's, yeah. It's, this is a part of process. Absolutely. This is a part Talking of the process. Talking is a huge part of the process. I yeah. love being able to do this. Yeah. This is awesome. I'm, I'm really, really glad that you're here. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. The Purple Door provides free services to anyone who has experienced domestic or sexual violence at any point in their life. We also have a 24-7 hotline that you can reach out to with any questions at any time. And those numbers are 1-800-580-4878 or 361-881-8888. If you are interested in volunteering or have questions about donating, please visit our website at purpledoortx.org. Remember, a unified community is a safe community. See you next time. Bye. Bye.